It's time to grab the bull by the horn. We're doing it for real. Okay. Hi. Hey, Ben. Welcome to Beer and Bullshit, the IRL edition. For the very first time, we were in the same room. This is TRL with Carson Daly. <laughs> Chris clearly has a different mic quality than me. You're probably picking that up. But we are in my basement, and we are together, and I have to crack a beer to toast that. And I found my microphone in my basement and have never used it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought it over. I'm going to crack a beer that is a collab between Sawdust City and Aveling called Time is the Distance. So cheers to uh, Sam at Sawdust for throwing me this beer. That was an excellent open, by the way. Thank you. I didn't wait long enough. I've already opened mine. I'm drinking Strange Animal from Merritt Brewery in Hamilton. Uh, Love this brewery. Very good brewery. I was there. They were closed, but I still managed to get some beer, so shout out to Spinny. Um, welcome to the show. This is weird to be in the same physical space as you. It's a little awkward, kind of. Is this how you always smell when we're doing these shows? Usually. It's the end of the day. I'm a little ripe. Yeah. And there's also a lot of beer in the room. Um, how you been, man? Good, you know, busy. Yeah? Life, uh, life just keeps on coming, you know? Does it? Have you had any good beer since I saw you last? Um... I want to say yes, I do, but I haven't. Uh, in a fun twist, I was doing some work in my basement yesterday, building a nice sweat. Wife went to the store. Do you need anything? Let me guess. Great Lakes beer is involved in this story. No, it's not. I said, <laughs> if you could grab me a few IPAs, that would be wonderful. And my 41-year-old life was I, wife was ID'd. Oh. And then the cashier at the grocery store said, oh, but your ID's expired. And then she offered her health card. That's expired, too. She didn't get to buy beer. And she said, well, it <laughs> does still say I'm 41. It's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I got a card anyone that looks under 35. She came home with just like a blind rage. I'm like, well, why didn't you ask for a manager or something? It's terrible. When I was in, so last week I traveled to Nashville for work. And I guess like state law requires that they literally ID every single human that comes through a door, orders beer. And I was like, I at one bar I was near a door I was playing Buck Hunter because they have Buck Hunter I'm obviously going to fucking play that mm-hmm. every single person that comes in was like oh like 50 60 year old women <laughs> they're like the bouncers must get so sick of that like either like it's the law it's just the law like I don't think you're young <laughs> it was like so obnoxious it's a dumb law in the states I remember I got denied trying to buy a lighter in New Orleans you can't buy a lighter no said so you need to show that you're 18 I'm like, well, here's my driver's license. Like, yeah, it's out of state. Do you have my passport? I'm like, it's me, and I'm 40. <laughs> and it's a lighter. <laughs> you want to see the, like, the day before they sold me, like, $100 worth of booze. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I remember buying cigarettes at 14, and it wasn't an issue. I guess times oh, have changed. Were those were the days. Just to get really old-timey on, I, I remember they used to cost $3.90 a pack back then. At Pat's Variety. I can say it because they're gone now, but Pat, good old Pat's Variety would sell me cigarettes that clearly I was 14 and they did not give a fuck. Well, if Pat was still around, he'd probably throw you a few smokes for that shout out. Uh, and then, then Angels, 
There was always one kind of near each public school, which seems strategic. But remember, Angels used to sell single cigarettes to kids that went to Wortley Road Public School. <laughs> and they lost their tobacco license. What a shocker. It was insane. <laughs> that guy could happen. Uh, smoking. Those are the days. We have really big news. I'm dropping some news. You're aware, hopefully. But this may be our last show. Well, nothing's really changing. But we will soon be on the... Blackburn Media Network. We are selling out. <laughs> That's right. They made us an offer. They and, did. Uh... This is, sounds funny, but it's true. They did. They did make us an offer. They. Uh, so, for those who don't know, Blackburn is a family-owned broadcasting company. I'm referring to my notes now. Uh, they began back in 1852 with a single newspaper, the London Free Press. They now have 13 radio stations across southwestern and midwestern Ontario. Uh, and here in London, if you're a listener, that includes 98.1 Classic Rock, which is actually the only radio station I listen to because it's Classic Rock. I play it in the garage, and uh, it's the only independently owned radio station in the city. Anyway, they also have kind of a digital media thing they're doing, and they were, they're going to host our podcast. So pretty sweet. We're not going to – this isn't going to cost me money. We may start making some dollars now. We're selling out. Well, I've never paid for anything on the show, so it hasn't cost me any money. And that something tells me I'm not going to earn any sort of revenue that might be generated. I'll give you a percentage that is uh, comp- compares to your to your contributions. Sixty <laughs> dollars percent. <laughs> I think it will pay for web hosting, and then I'll use the rest to to set up swag because let's sell stickers and T-shirts because that's fun. And you know what? Those memes aren't free. <laughs> they are actually. I do them all on the toilet. So what cost are we talking about here? Then? <laughs> Honestly, web hosting, and then like adding an email address to the web hosting. I think that's probably it. I seem to get a lot of PayPal. Oh, the URL. It's just an incidental bullshit, but literally the show costs me money right now. But not anymore, because we're headed to the Blackburn Media Network. Uh, it won't really mean anything different to listeners, except you'll probably hear some very London-specific advertising now, because the part of being on the network is that they'll sell our show to advertisers. And so we may be beer and bullshit uh, brought to you by Lexus of London. I don't know if that's actually going to be true, but that is possible. <laughs> yeah, and we're offering now uh, a paywall you can get behind. So yeah. for eighty nine ninety nine, this is a, a promotion that's only going to last for the next 60 days, you can listen to the show ad-free. That's an annual <laughs> subscription rate. Yeah, we should do that. No one would do that. Fuck me. <laughs> Who pays for podcasts? Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. We're, we, we did have the opportunity to record Excuse me, in their studio. But I don't think that's going to work because it's during the day. So you're going to have to deal with Chris's shitty microphone probably for a little bit while longer. Hey, maybe we'll use some of this money to buy some actual equipment. That's probably a good thing to do. That's save, a good idea. save up some dough and buy some actual fucking podcast equipment. But yeah, check us out. You, If you're in London, you'll probably hear us being promoted on 98.1 Classic Rock. Um, as of maybe next week, we'll see. We're still figuring out some details. But uh, yeah, we sold out. We are. <laughs> we took two years off. We came back for eight episodes, and we're cashing in. So you do it. You come back from parental leave. Grab a promotion. That's how it, we roll. Um, speaking of, this is not related at all. But our last, <laughs> our last show, uh, we said Carmen Vincente a lot. It's Carmen Vicente, and uh, she's the number one most listened to podcast we have now. I checked. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we were mocking the idea of people wanting to listen to a marketer on a podcast. I think 
we may have uh, perhaps underestimated the Bellwoods reach because I think they shared the podcast on their social media, mm. which may have given us a significant bump. But uh, Carmen has bumped off Mandy Murphy of Left Field as the most listened to show ever already. Well, I think you were discounting people wanting to hear about marketing more than I was and the show in general was. I know. I enjoyed it. Carmen was like, are you sure people want to talk about marketing? I, I, I actually, I mean, it is my job, so I enjoyed it, but I, I found it really interesting and I think it's warranted to be the number one show. Well, I think outside of like... Skeletor? You know, the Skeletor episode was mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, that was enjoyed by some. <laughs> to love it or hate it. I like the fake ones. And by the way, they're coming back. Uh, so for those that are the haters... Apologies in advance. There'll be some fake ones coming again soon. I mean, it can't be all about the beer. Otherwise, the show title would make no sense. We haven't focused much on the bullshit this year. So we got to lean into that when we move to our new digs in the same space. Basically doing the exact same thing. Yeah, you're really making that sound super new and interesting. Well, we'll have better quality. Someone other than me will be uh, producing this. I'll send them a sound file, and he'll go, what the fuck is this? And he'll teach us how to clean it up and stuff. And actually, we will have access to their music. So if for some reason we wanted to put classic rock smattered throughout our show, uh, first of all, we're definitely sticking with the Deforesters for our theme song, the eight seconds we play of the Deforesters, because we are punk rock as fuck. Don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise, but I do love some classic rock. Yep, yeah, and we've we've had some conversations with people this season about how selling out is the new punk rock, so we're fitting <laughs> that mold nicely. Yeah. Uh, selling out isn't... Anyway, selling out is such a like 90s thing. I think it's over. I think don't think anyone actually disparages selling out anymore. Like, I think people are fine with it. Yep. Just <laughs> give up on your ideals and values. See, this Take is a really... Money. Okay. We're going to jump ahead to the part where we recommend a book because I'm reading... Excuse me. I'm reading an amazing book called The 90s by Chuck Klosterman. And if you've ever read Chuck Klosterman, intensely uh, deep on all things uh, pop culture and sports. And that is exactly what he delivers for this book, The 90s. He's talking about sports music politics tv movies in like a way way more in depth than you would ever think anyone could talk about these things for the 90s but the overarching theme seems to be that the 90s was the decade where it was like super lame to care like it was like giving a shit was the worst thing you could do like 80s selling it was like of course you sell out and then then 2000s like Oh, you built a big company and you cashed in or you're a big band and you got successful? That makes sense. But the 90s, it was like you fucking sold out. Like more than maybe any other era. It was like you built the thing up from the ground and then you compromised your values to make money off of it. That's an interesting take. I don't know. I mean, the 90s was... I've watched a couple of documentaries on it. There's a series about the 90s on Netflix that's good. And I think it's, it's the last generation, I would say, that had a distinct distinct voice and feel to it i mean now that we're getting too internet driven it doesn't doesn't feel like the the decades are are that distinct from a let's say a music pop culture yeah even fashion standpoint um the 90s felt like its own thing and its own thing was like all over the place right yeah well and the weirdest thing about the 90s was it was like the last decade that wasn't like completely recorded and archived like it was like you could be at a bar having a conversation and someone could like actually I think this is an example in the book someone could, like a, a lot of people thought that Nelson Mandela died in prison 
this is where they have the saying the Mandela effect, which we probably know most. I, I heard it most in, in reference to the, the Berenstein Bears because it's actually Berenstain Bears. And like that's actually not true. It is it's true. Steen. No, everyone in the world <laughs> thinks it's Steen. It's Stain, and it's always they were been Stain. Initially, a Jewish <laughs> family of bears. Yeah. And anyway, that's called the Mandela effect, where a collective group of people have a false memory. And like the thing in the '90s is like if you're at a table and like you're with eight people and five of them think Mandela died, you'd be like, okay, that'd be reached a consensus. Nelson Mandela died, and you move on. Now it's like you pick up your phone and you have the compendium of all of Earth's knowledge in your pocket. The 90s is the last time any of that happened. They talk about it was also like a massive time for for magazines and fanzines that existed very briefly and then were gone forever. Most of the TV that was happening there isn't archived anywhere. Like the stuff that we do have from the 90s is actually largely because one obsessive woman in New York recorded everything on VHS. So like most of what you see when you're watching archival footage from the uh, late 80s and 90s is because this one woman thought to record it and, and tv stations didn't even archive it it's crazy hmm. anyway that, that sounds interesting <laughs> it's a really good book i've been like i i just crushed it on the plane like i don't usually just sit and read i'll usually watch a movie or whatever but i read nonstop from takeoff to to touchdown it's really good what's his tone like in the book is he i mean i find his writing to be Maybe overly cynical at times and comes at it with a negative bent, which I think you could gravitate I really towards, like but. it. Yeah, pissy, cynical, <laughs> white guy kind of vibe. Like, he's got, like, he definitely comes at it from a very suburban perspective. And he, uh, but it's highly academic, like, extremely uh, academic. Like, he talks about school a lot? Yeah. No, his tone is almost like a textbook. And you would definitely be able to argue that it comes to the subject from a certain point of view but he fully acknowledges that that is the point of view he comes to things from like there's like 20 pages on kurt cobain and there's like an a short essay on tupac like probably equally you know important to the 90s but he, that's not the perspective he came to so he acknowledges it but it's very much our background so it resonates with me for sure because i was definitely into kurt cobain in the 90s and not so much tupac yeah it's never a huge nirvana fan you should you should read why they were so important. There's a lot of time spent oh, on it. So important. <laughs> Just they brought plaid to, to the masses. That's not what it is. You, anyway, because their whole their whole thing was like Kurt Cobain was mad that he sold out. Whether or not that was actually true, that was the vibe that he brought, and that's why he catapulted Gen X to whatever we think of Gen X. The other thing is that like the lasting, like the lasting impression of Gen X is like, as not giving a fuck. You think of like Nirvana. Like, Hootie and the Blowfish fucking destroyed Nirvana and album sales when they came out. But no one thinks about that. That's not actually the, like, the philosophy and the vibe of the 90s. We always think about, like, Kurt Cobain and not Hootie. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Darius Rucker sold out when he made that soul album. Like, How he was he a pop rocker. Like, uh... He went from pop rock to slightly country pop rock? No, no. He went. He did released a soul record. Oh, soul? Yeah. I know him as, like, isn't he, like, got that Marshall, that... that country cover isn't that his claim to fame now the wagon wheel isn't his version of wagon wheel like his thing i wasn't i wasn't expecting any follow-up darius record <laughs> questions i just said he had a soul record oh okay good but, for darius you know what patrick stump did the same thing the lead singer from fallout boy he released his soul record when he went solo really nobody listened to it no kurt cobain probably would have had a soul record if courtney hole didn't kill him yeah that's fair anyway <laughs> Uh, speaking of great musicians, I feel like we're late to the party, but talking about all things Bud Light, 
and maybe you're not as obsessively on your phone as I am, and maybe you're not aware of all the shenanigans that have been happening with Bud Light in the last little while. I was following the <clears throat> Bud Light into the craft tap house. Yeah, those are those are two stories about Bud Light. I was gonna. T- I mean, we don't have to talk about Kid Rock shooting Bud Light with an AR-15. It's just fucking stupid. But Bud Light put a trans woman on their cans, and rednecks acted as rednecks are going to act and started boycotting Bud Light. And there's all kinds of social media videos of them dumping out their Bud Light or filling their their garage fridge with Coors Light instead. Just fucking so dumb. Not for the least of which that Bud Light is so far from being like woke. They they actually heavily contribute dollars to you know anti LGBTQ efforts. Like it's just bullshit marketing. So the the rage is just so dumb. Well, maybe you need to know your audience a little bit if you're going to do like a little cow-towing, shitty marketing thing that, to try to say that you're woke when you're not and you're just going to piss off all your drinkers. That's Well, and then they've issued a statement that is a non-statement. Like, we never wanted to cause conflicts. We love family. And it's like, what does that mean? Are you, are you, I, I don't understand. <laughs> yes, but the other thing probably much more relevant to this audience and our geography, there's a brewery in Cambridge called Rhythm and Brews. I've been happily dunking them on Instagram, and it appears that the co-owner has found himself in my comments, too, so I've clearly angered him. But for those who don't know, uh, Rhythm and Brews is a craft brewery, and they will let you know. Yeah, drink all the beer you want. Okay. Um, that is a Lo Ciento from Sawdust City that Chris is opening, and it is ten times more addictive than marijuana. That's so hot. It's so hot. Uh, anyway, they are a craft brewery that they have a lot of live music and they receive so many requests for Bud Light at their craft brewery. They started selling it and this is the fucking dumbest thing in the whole world. And all the people arguing with me on social media are wrong because this is the fucking dumbest thing in the world. (laughs) If you're a craft brewery, you don't sell Bud Light full stop. (laughs) people are like it's about customer service then don't be a craft brewery if you just like want to be a bar in a music venue do that but every time you sell a bud light you're literally helping a company that spends millions and millions of dollars trying to crush independent breweries so it's not just about customer service if you give a fuck at all about craft beer and small business don't sell bud light it's just stupid My name is Scott McGrath. The day before my eighth birthday, I fell in a pile of fire ants and suffered significant wounds on over 70% of my body. Since that day, I have made a solemn vow to kill every insect on planet Earth. I hate them with the passion of a religious zealot. Speaking of religion, of all the biblical plagues, I hate the locust plague the most. For the last 12 years, my white-hot rage has materialized in the form of my business, McGrath Pest Control. I have harnessed this unforgivable intolerance of insects and released the wrath of my fury on bugs in and around the homes of Houston. I will kill those bugs in any way that I can. Chemicals, my boot, my bare fist, or any other object that can end the life of an insect. Call 281-469-8240 and give me the honor of killing bugs at your house. I also hate rats and spiders. Go to McGrathPestControl.com. Okay, we're back. Welcome back. I don't know what happened there. 
You're seem like a regular volume again. Okay. Uh, we're having technical difficulties. I think related to the fact that Chris knocked his mic out when he poured a beer. This is all going to be edited anyway, so <laughs> fuck you all. We're professionals now. We work for a classic rock station, kind of, sort of. No, I, we, I don't even know. We, I don't even know what we're talking. <laughs> we got distracted. We were talking about Bud Light. We were talking about rhythm and mm. brews. Uh, That's right. Desperately I was really trying to claim that it's a customer service and customer focused thing to sell absolute enemy of craft beer in their craft brewery and it's just a garbage move and i was just about to defend them by saying go ahead <laughs> you know what you can't always be all things to all people it's just not gonna work if you're but this, you can know, in I, this case no but no i'm i'm agreeing with you <laughs> okay, so if you okay. just hang on for a second <laughs> um if you're a craft brewery you should sell craft beer that's yeah. just a fact. So you yeah. can't try to please everybody all the time. Otherwise, you're just going to wind up pissing off your core. It's like putting a, you know, a trans woman on a Bud Light can. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm only partly joking, but that's them trying to please everybody uh, instead of kind of knowing their audience and not doing something sort of offensive and despicable to like promote yeah. it to, and put like an AR-15 on the can instead. But I think some things are like demonstrably okay versus pretty indefensible like i think contributing dollars to the florida don't say gay bill that ron DeSantis pushed which ab inbev did despicable like it's hate like supporting trans folks by putting one on your can i i kind of feel like the people that are displeased by that can go fuck themselves like i i get that i'm very liberal and whatever but like you like you don't like it there's something like who gives a fuck what's wrong with you it's just you, you anyway well i mean i think that's kind of the difference between big business and small business and the macros versus the micro brews where if you're big business it doesn't matter if your attitudes lean more liberal or more republican or left wing or right wing if you're big enough business you have interest in every political situation and you will support whoever is is in power and you know whether you're but i don't think you have to do that i think they definitely do that they feel like they need to hedge their bets and they contribute x amount to the right and x amount to the left and whoever's president they'll donate to that too but like you can make a stand it's not like you have to be that way just no you don't i mean but if you're (coughs) if you have grown to this conglomerate sizes then you know it's naive to think that the the major big businesses around the world uh, have have it's true. I are mean, obsessed with morality. And at ESG, a certain point, they've clearly put real. wealth accumulation above morality, and so that's how they gotten that big. To suspect anything less of them is probably naive. I well, think, it's an, and it becomes such a machine too, right? I mean, uh, do you, you know how many AB InBev employees are there globally, or, or some of these big corporations? You now, I mean, mm-hmm. it'd be good to have things become more local. It's just this is the reality of the global commerce landscape that we live in. Jeez, man, you're bringing us down in my basement here tonight. You were the one that brought up Ron DeSantis. <laughs> well, because it's a, a clear example of AB and Bev's, you know, hypocrisy. They're putting trans people on the cans while openly contributing dollars to hate. Sure. Anyway, let's shit on fucking rhythm and bruise some more. That's more fun. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. You don't need to shit on David. I know, I know. But I know. But I mean I do. <laughs> it's like I think of like a bakery who is like, I don't know, we make the most 
amazing croissants or whatever. Like there's there's a Brazilian bakery on the corner. If so many people came in and asked for like Wonder Bread and they were like, well, we started selling Wonder Bread too because that's what people want. I would be like, what in the fuck are you doing? Like that's not what you do and that is your competition. It's just wrong. Like if you want to be all things to all people, don't open a craft brewery. Craft brewing is a thing. It's separate from being a venue that's specifically for music or like I, I think it's so lazy to be like so many people come in and ask for Bud Light we just decided to sell it like brew a really nice light lager and be like you know what we got something kind of that's like Bud Light you're gonna like it we don't sell craft we don't sell macro beers because we are a small independent brewery but here's something you might like instead if they're still not drinking it then fuck them like what do you what do you want to win those people over for anyway They'll buy it if they listen to that whole speech every time somebody asks for a Bud Light. <laughs> if they don't turn around and leave mid ninety second speech, I respect like businesses that are like that draw a hard line. I actually was at it was pretty funny. I took a colleague who was uh, she's a little older, maybe not as adventurous. I went to East Nashville, which is a little bit more like hipster vibes. It's the up and coming neighborhood. Walking there, we actually saw a guy like pissing in an alley. And she's like, where are you taking me? But we went to this really cool bar called Attaboy, which I've since learned started in New York and is one of the like 50 best bars in the world. They have a second location in Nashville. No menu. Uh, You just kind of tell them what you're into, what flavors you like and what alcohols you like. And they just whip something up like all just like mix all whole wall of bottles like and so, so they explain this philosophy to us and my colleague goes oh i really like vodka and the guy goes we don't have any vodka <laughs> just like the whole bar is bottles but they're like and they're like we'll make whatever you like whatever your taste and they're like fuck vodka <laughs> like i kind of respect that i like that i mean vodka by nature is supposed to have be odorless tasteless like yeah the idea is to just make it taste as inoffensive and, and as close to nothing as possible so i get that vibe but that also bud light that's also like i mean let's be honest i will drink a bud light probably at slow pitch this year because it tastes like nothing it's ice cold and someone brought it on a golf cart to the diamond where we're playing baseball it tastes like nothing that's fair i'm gonna stick with miller high life i do like miller high life but it makes me think of detroit tigers games that's why i like it yeah um i don't know I, i'm I, I don't think bringing Bud Light in, I think you're right. You could brew your own light lager. Uh, that would be just fine. Um, yeah, take a, take 10 seconds to explain why you don't sell Bud Light. Like, that's your business. You decided to open a craft brewery. Have you thought ever about having us host a show where you just bring on craft breweries that you've picked fights with online? I actually considered emailing this guy. I mean, like, you want to come on the show and have it out with me? I, if he's listening right now, I'll totally do that. But yeah, I, I, I would love to have people on here with completely different opinions and just have it out. I'd love to have some big beer people on here sometime too. Maybe now that we're part of a classic rock station in the town that Labatt's is brewing beer, we may have an opportunity to do just that. I was going to say, we're about six weeks away from Labatt's shutting us down completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Won't even let us do it privately. Pulling all sponsorships for this radio station, if they yeah. have any. Could be interesting. <clears throat> um, speaking of sponsorships, not related, not really a sponsorship... <clears throat> there's really good beer at the Rogers Center this year. Have you seen that? I have indeed seen that, and I am going to be taking in a Jays game in less than a week. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you've got Bellwoods and Collective Arts on tap. 
Blood Brothers, Woodhouse. I'm going to miss one. Uh, and Oost, and then Amsterdam. I noticed that Cowbell, who were on last year, are no longer there. So last year when they first let craft beer and I made a stink about it because they were obviously breweries that had paid for the right to be in there. I had like a, a pitch deck that, that um, the Rogers Center slash Jays folks had been shipping around to, to craft breweries to be like, here's what you need to do to get in. Here's the stipulations. And it's going to cost you $100,000 a year and you have to commit to two years. So I don't want to say I know for sure, but allegedly Amsterdam, Cowbell, and Muskoka paid that astronomical fee to get in there. And then this year, from everything I've heard, they just asked some breweries to be in there and didn't ask for money. Hmm. So this is the part no one believes because everyone is like, they're obviously fucking paying. But I, I insinuated as much on social media to say, you know, obviously they're paying. And I heard directly from people at most of the breweries that are in there this year that I trust and said, 100%, they didn't ask for anything. So the breweries that are in there this year didn't pay to get in there, as shocking as that sounds. And as shocking as it sounds to come from me, it sounds like Bellwoods and Collective and Woodhouse didn't pay to get in there. They just got invited. Well, that doesn't necessarily seem shocking. $100,000 is a staggering amount of money for a small craft brewery. It's insane. But for uh, a Blue Jays team that has a payroll north of $100 million and is owned by Major League Sports Entertainment, uh, yeah. which is both halves of our duopoly on uh, on communications in the country that just basically print money. Right. What's 100K? Are you, are you really, do you need that 100K to get them in there? That's a fair point. I mean, I think it was more to, I don't know why. I mean, they obviously have a massive deal with Labatt. They've got Budweiser's been in massive letters in left field since they opened the place, and they obviously were exclusive forever. But, yeah, I, I don't know what the 100 grand was for. It was also like, I never understood the investment because you can't advertise it. So, like, what's the point? Like, okay, you're Muskoka Brewery, you're in the Rogers Center, but you can't tell anyone. What's the how is that worth your time? Like people are, you're not going to sell that much beer ever well, in a year. A, I mean, <coughs> I mean, that craft beer is a little bit about about providing access to people too, right? I mean, we had the start of the pandemic. A lot of people got into shipping their beer province wide. Gives you a chance to try different beer. But if you're a craft beer fan and you're at the game, you're gonna find. You're going to seek out the craft beer like I do every time I'm in a Michigan stadium. But do you? Because here's what I always do. When I go to Detroit Tigers games, they have the craft corner, which is in uh, right field. All Michigan beer. Awesome. Definitely go there for one or two. But by the like, third inning, I'm just like, whatever's coming by. Like I'm <laughs> Maybe I'm that, that diehard of a craft beer fan, but like... I could walk all the way over there, or like here's an ice cold Miller Light in a metal bottle. I love those metal bottles. So typically, I I'll open the day with a couple of craft beers, but I'm too lazy and just don't bother. So the craft breweries need to start marketing in aluminum bottles for you. I would love that actually. <laughs> well, they won't do it. They're yeah. reclosable. They're they're fucking awesome. They just open that new uh, open up those new seats right by the. The opposing team's bullpen. Yeah. And within one week, people are throwing beers at the pitchers. <laughs> at the Jays games? Yeah, yeah. Almost well, getting in a fight with one of the pitchers. It's like, <laughs> how long before there's a, a plexiglass barrier? It's oh, going yeah. to be like two weeks. Yeah. 
Like that's just, funny. If there's Blue Jays fans listening, can can you just not be that asshole? I remember when the cans all got littered when they made it back into the playoffs. Got littered all over the field, and next thing you know, they're pouring every can at the concession stand into a plastic cup, and it took like two and a half innings to get a beer. Just, just don't do it. Just enjoy the craft beer, and uh, be civil out there. I like I like that you think you saying this is going to have any effect on people. Well, enjoy the beer. Enough with the bullshit. Hey, um, should I open up? A strong Saison or a Maybach? I'm going to go with the Saison. That's strong too, Ben. Be careful. It is strong. Very strong. Um, what else have we got going on? I think we're caught up. I'm all caught up with you. Um, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, why don't I give my recommendation for the week? Okay. I've been giving such poor hyper-mainstream recommendations for most of the season. So I decided to also give another sort of mainstream oh, one. Amazing. But this one, this one is a book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it's by it's by fan favorite James Patterson, um, known for stocking airplanes and all yeah, resorts everywhere. Yeah, isn't that like super generic like, crime fiction? Is that his vibe? Uh, yeah, he's uh, quite prolific. I think he's uh, he's kind of like a Stephen King type. I bet he's got 60, 70 books, novels to his title. Mm. Um, his first breakthrough was Alex Cross, a detective that was a, a recurring kind of thing through a series. Anyway, he, he's written this book. It's kind of, let's say, based on a true story. It's not really based on a true story, but it's... Uh, <laughs> let's say it is anyway. No, no, no. It's called... Uh, oh, fuck. I'm forgetting the name of it now. It's... You're really bringing it. You know Pell's Corner. You're bringing James <laughs> is, Patterson you can barely remember. It's, uh, what is it, the day John Lennon died? What the fuck uh, it was it 1980. I don't remember the date. John Lennon died. No, fuck me. This is really March bad. 21st, 1980. The That's book is called The fuck. Last Days of John Lennon. Excuse me. Mm. Um, and it's basically... He interviewed. It's a bit of a whodunit. <laughs> Not quite, but like he interviewed people, uh, you know, all all sorts of people throughout the music industry and all the promotion and everything. And um, it starts. Mark Chapman packed a gun in his bag. Spoiler and, alert! Now we know who did it. I know I blew it, <laughs> but it's it's like a reimagining of of uh, it's, it's filling in all of the blanks based on the facts that people do have, and it's almost more of like a. A, a historical novel kind of thing, but huh. I don't know. It, it's basically it chronicles the Beatles' rise to fame and uh, everything that led up to it. So it's it's kind of it's not what I expect from that author. It's not. I mean, it's written a little bit kind of airplane paperback yeah. style, a yeah. little, little not pulpy, but it's it's quick and kind of hard hitting, like a crime uh, fiction would be. But it's uh, I don't know. It's an engaging read. There's a really weird article I read. Um, I want to say it was an Esquire because they republished it on the anniversary of his death. But like John Lennon was like alive for like an hour after he got shot. And there's an article interviewing and talking to the first guy on the scene, like this EMS guy who was like trying to revive him. John Lennon was still conscious and he like died in his ambulance. It's fucking like dramatic reading. I'm like, holy shit. I never think about that, right? Like you think you got murdered on the street, but like 
it took a while. It was pretty awful. Well, yeah, and I'm reading this book, and it's filling in all sorts of details that I just didn't know because I never dove below the surface on it. And, you know, Chapman was a huge Beatles fan, and then, mm. uh, but he was also a veteran. And then when Lennon became all about peace, love, it was a different movement for him, and it drove him insane. And It drove him insane? Basically. It was just he casually and quietly was like, okay, honey, headed off to New York now. I'm going to murder John Lennon. Oh, Chapman. I thought you were saying John Lennon was driven insane. I'm like, what? Well, maybe. <laughs> that would have been probably more drugs than anything else. Yeah, and Yoko. Um, all right. Well, I've already talked a lot about um, Chuck Klosterman's book, 90s, so I won't recommend it. Uh, but we can stay on the Beatles thing, and I don't even know if I talked to you. Maybe I did. Have we ever talked about Get Back on Apple TV? We did. You recommend it? On this show? No, not on Uh, the... Oh, maybe maybe it's season one. It's so good. Like, I'm really actually thinking about rewatching it. You really have to be a Beatles fan, but, like, I feel like if you're not a Beatles fan, there's probably something wrong with you. But if you watch this and you actually watch them, like, write the music you've known for your whole life in real time, it's just like, holy fuck. Like, he's he's writing Get Back right now. Like, they they show up kind of, like, hungover and groggy. They're waiting for John to arrive. Ringo's having a dart, and, and George is having a cup of tea. And Paul just sits down with his bass, and he's just like, like, well, he's making it up right now. It's crazy. It's it's so good. The whistle wazzle. Yeah, John, you jump in here with the whistle wazzle. There's a lot of whistle wazzle. There's also a lot of like, you can clearly see why George would be like pissed off sometimes because like, John and Paul get into their thing, and there's no one else in the world. They're just looking at each other and looking at each other's instruments, and they're locked in, and then they're fucking just making the best music ever. And George is just kind of over here, and Ringo's just like waiting for somebody to tell him what to do. <laughs> it's awesome. It's really long, but like, I think I did it over like five nights when the family was asleep. I put on noise canceling headphones and just like really got into it. So that's a really old throwback recommendation, but read James Patterson. And watch Get Back. And there, and that'll fill you in completely on the Beatles. Every single thing you've ever wanted to know about the Beatles. Or Mark Chapman. Which I've always wanted to know a lot about <laughs> Mark Chapman. A real hero. A misunderstood hero. That's what your thing is, right? You're a big Mark Chapman guy now? Well, you know what? As I said earlier, I like to play devil's advocate to you. You're like, <laughs> Beatles good. That's I'm hardcore. Like, Mark I'm in, Chapman hero. <laughs> I'm boosting the guy who killed one of the greatest musicians of all time. He needs no boosting. <laughs> You're a Chapman head. <laughs> I mean, he can climb that fence himself. No boost necessary. Well, I think we're done tonight, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, I think that was uh, just, the, just the right amount of bullshit. That we have to keep it under an hour when we when we go to the new format. So <laughs> I don't know if we did it today, but we uh, going forward, this show will be less than 60 minutes. That is our uh, Blackburn Media promise to you. I don't envy that new editor. <laughs> yeah, we are a little long in the tooth. Long in the tooth? That means old. Long-winded? Our dicks are long. Long John Silver. <laughs> Should we just keep saying things with long and then fade out? Carl Lewis, long jump. Oh, can I? Oh, man. Can I tell a Carl Lewis story? You can, Ben Johnson. (laughs) All right. Oh, my computer went into like sleep mode. Okay, here's the last thing we're going to say tonight. It's a funny story from my trip to Nashville, Tennessee. I introduced myself to a group of probably six to 10 people, approximately our age. And I said, My name's Ben Johnson, and nothing. And I was like, this is how I clearly know you're all American because for 30 
five however many years every time i've said my name to someone our age or older you get a stupid joke like oh the runner oh you're on steroids and they're like what do you mean and that's why i had to explain well ben johnson was this guy and like oh i think i can remember like americans don't give a fuck about the 1988 olympics in seoul where carl lewis got a medal after anyway so i was like i guarantee you if you ever talk to a canadian if you were to tell a canadian right now that you're talking to ben johnson they go the runner and this one this one chick goes my my best friend's canadian i'll text him right now i'm like do it i guarantee he's gonna say the runner and so we kept talking a little it turned out her best friend that she texted about me was michael buble <laughs> i'm like your best friend's michael buble she's like yeah i don't really like tell everyone but like yeah and i'm like well he's canadian i'm like he's gonna know who i am so i i had to leave like and i was sitting in the airport without ever having followed up and i was like i need to know how that happened she's like oh yeah he called me while i was packing again on the plane and we talked about ben johnson for like 10 minutes i'm like amazing michael buble talked about me ostensibly classic bubbly <laughs> yeah i love michael buble too i was like i'm actually got a bit of a man crush he's got a voice like an angel <laughs> it's a real throwback Real yeah. throwback voice. It's beautiful. Yes. Be- best I mean, Christmas music you can have. Let's be real. Um, no, the Smiths. What? Yeah. Well, as this show fades out right now, Michael Bublé's magical voice will be in the ears of our listeners. That's my promise to you. And uh, thanks for coming to my basement, Chris. Oh, it was, it's been a pleasure hanging out in, uh, in the dark depths. We're going to buy you a microphone with our sweet, sweet classic rock money. Woo! Goodbye, listeners. When marimba rhythms start to play, dance with me, make me sway like a What do you want me to say?